I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. I'm solo today, no Gary today. Gary's uh, Gary's doing some other stuff today. But I do have a special guest, good friend of mine, Ryan Kanasiewicz. Oh, thanks for having me. Ryan, it's good to have you on the show again. I think this is your second or third time? Second? Third? Second time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, man, I, I know that basically anybody that knows anything about the Utah Grizzlies has to know your name and know um, a little bit about you. But I don't think we know, you know, the... I want to. I want to know the whole story about Ryan. I want to know, like we know, kind of where you came from. But tell us how you ended up in Utah, and like let's just start from the beginning. Start when, from the. Yeah. How old were you when you started playing hockey? Uh, three. Three. Yeah. Up in Canada, there's not much else to do in the winter time, so <laughs> I would sit there and watch my older brother play, and I guess I'd just cry at the boards, and my parents were just so sick of it. They bought me gear and. Were like, Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Put you at it. So, yeah. how many how many brothers do you have? Two brothers. I'm in the middle. You're so, in the middle. Yeah. Did they all? Did your younger brother play hockey? Yeah, too? they all played. My younger brother probably went the furthest out of both of them. He played like junior B up in Edmonton. So, yeah. but he didn't go very far after that. You know, that's as far as I made it. So, I, I still think that's pretty far. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll, no, okay. we'll bring up your men's league career after. No, we don't want to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> we try to act like I know what I'm talking about yeah, while we're on exactly, the show. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, so you start playing when you're three years old. At what point do you know you're good? Uh, pr- pretty quickly. Yeah. Like I, you know, I made all the AAA teams from five on. Really, I mean, not really AAA teams at five, but. Every, you know, as I got older into like Pee Wee and Bantam, I was always, you know, one of the top players in the league every every year. And, you know, I got drafted into the uh, into the Western Hockey League by Medicine Hat. Yep. I, I went in the third round there. So that's when I kind of, that's when it kind of clicked. Like I really didn't know much about the Western Hockey League. I mean, I was 14 years old when I got drafted, so that's not really on your radar. But once that happened, it was kind of like, oh, okay, this – this could be something we we do full time. So yeah, yeah. So did you end up playing in Medicine Hat? Yeah, I played two years in Medicine Hat and then got traded and then played three years in Tri Cities. Okay, so five five years in the Western League. I didn't know the Medicine Hat part. I mean, I probably did because I've looked up your stats a million times. But uh, that's I, way at the I, top of the page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just did the Tri City part because you do have a lot of different teams that you played for. You had a you had a long career. Yeah, yeah. Bounced around. Uh, I mean, only played for. A f- 
ECHL teams only too, but you know a lot in the American League. Yeah, Hamilton, Lake Erie, Manchester, Bridgeport. So bounced around a few teams, but and then six years over in Europe. Yeah, uh, you know, different team almost every other year. So that seems to be kind of the, the every player that goes over there doesn't they like Greg Lieb maybe played nine years and Nijmegen or wherever he played, but it seems like everybody else bounces. It's like every year you've got a different contract when you're in Europe. Yeah, because, I mean, if you have a good year over there, then every other team is looking to poach you, really. So, and just by, you know, going around through through the league, you you see other teams, you're like, oh, I think I want to play in this city as opposed to the city I'm in. Because you don't know much about right. anything when you go over there. So you're like, oh, this guy's offered me a contract. Like, that city was nice. I, like, I, I played for a team over there that was owned by Red Bull. Yeah. So they paid well, and they took really good care of us. It was crazy. So. That's what I've heard about that Red Bull team is that, man, that's that's the place to play. At least it used to be. I don't know what's going on now. but um, And we've had Jordan Prezi on the show, and he played there, and he told me. he's a, The only thing he didn't like is that they dictated, like, his mask, and that, that drove him nuts. And then they – because they made him wear a mask that was, looked like a Red Bull can. And then they they were making a put like advertising on his gear, which you know that's Europe. They, yeah, yeah, that's Europe. A, well, when I played there, uh, your contract was twelve months, and you had to go spend the summer over there and train. And they didn't believe in like weightlifting, so you rolled the bike for three and a half hours a day. Oh, wow, it, it was miserable. Like just sitting there, you'd show up in the morning. It was a, an hour. Hour on the bike, 30 minutes of abs, hour on the bike. That was your morning. You went and had lunch, come back. It was like an hour 15 on the bike, 30 minutes abs, hour 15 on the bike, and you're done for the day. What? Yeah. That's insane. Well, so it, it's funny because uh, Daniel Brickley was given he was giving me an argument the other day. He was, he was talking about he didn't believe that spin class did anything for him. Because you remember part of my hockey camps have always been putting kids through TRX and spin class and, and long muscle and cardio, stuff like that, right? And he's like, that, that does nothing for you. I'm like, no, it does something for you. But I don't think that three well, and a half hours is necessary. Do yeah, you, do you well, think that made you any like No, any that's more the thing is like – as soon as I, st- they wouldn't let us skate either. So like, he was like, like Auschwitz over there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on here, but. <laughs> Well, you did. Yeah, so did. we'll yeah, go so on. Yeah. We can edit it out. But, um, so it was bad. Like, so, all right. Yeah. So they wouldn't let us skate, but like, so three and a half hours on the bike every day for like, it was five days a week. And you'd think once it's time to skate, you'd feel good. Yeah. No. Like. Nothing compares to skating. Right. And you know that as uh, you could ride the bike as long as you want, but it's just it, you don't have that same burn in your lungs and burn in your legs as you do sitting on the bike. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's, I mean, I get that you want to stay in shape and I get there's things you have to do off ice to get in shape, but that's just, uh, that's crazy. Um, before we jump all all over Europe and, and into that, though, I want to talk about your time here in Utah because are you still the all time leading scorer? Yeah. And uh, is anybody going to come close to you? I don't know. We might have to sign someone for a few years. How many years did you play in Utah? Uh, I was here for like, parts of five. Yeah, like, but I mean, you kept getting pulled up. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know what exactly how many games I played, like two hundred and something, but 
over the course of five years spread out. Yeah. So. I remember it was one of the first times that it really ever occurred to me. Well, it didn't occur to me. You told me. I told you? Yeah. yeah. You were telling – so you had just got sent back down and we were talking and I'm like, I don't even remember how it came up. And I, and I asked you, I'm like, you're getting a point plus a game here. And then you got sent up there. I'm like, I just – I think I flat out asked you. I'm like, hey, did you score while you're up? And you're like, no, they keep putting me on the fourth line or – you know, you don't get any goals if you're on if you're not on power play. You're not on guys that can score. They, you know, you're a scoring guy. And yeah. For some reason, they still put you on the fourth line. Yeah, I don't. I, I remember my last year here. I got called up to Hamilton, and I was leading the league in scoring in the ECHL. And I went up for five games, and I didn't even have a centerman as a linemate. I just had a right winger who is the fighter. Yeah. And they called me in, and they're like, "Well, you haven't been producing, so we're going to send you down." I was like, well, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Like, kind of. Op- yeah, that's. Not even. It was, you know, it was, sometimes I'd get, like, I went to Bridgeport that same year and they played me top line minutes and I had, like, four points in five games, but they sent me down because of the Olympic break, all the guys from the NHL coming down. So that was just bad timing. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that, that uh, you've, either you've got to find a way on that fourth line to start scoring goals or you're going to get sent back down or you got to hope through some attrition that you get put on a line with a scorer or somebody that can set you up it's the same in every sport it doesn't matter who you are you can't you're not if you're the best basketball player in the world you still need somebody to pass the ball to or get it from and same with soccer you you can be the best player in the world but you still have to have somebody to to play with yeah you can't take on a whole team by yourself i mean a lot of fans like grizzly fans might not realize like like we have some really good players like this year coming up and last year that like like Caleb Herbert that we had last year like just didn't really ever get a chance you know like the, he could score a goal a game down here easily but it's a lot of it's opportunity yeah yeah that kid's name keeps coming up and uh and I want to talk to you more about that when we get I want to talk more about the Grizzlies but so tell me um during your five-year career here your 200 plus games like how do, what do, are there memories that stand out like what's Probably my most fond memory was the year we went to the Western Conference Finals. Like, it was just, there was a buzz around the city, I thought, like, yeah. more than than usual. And it was just, like, we had such a good group of guys and just young guys, old guys. And it was just fun just going to the rink every day and competing and battling. And it's like the weather was, like, 90 degrees. And it was that was a really fun time for me. That's one that I can think of. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun because you play in a big building. The, the Grizzlies play in the East Center. That's a big building for for, for the ECHL. Yeah, for the ECHL yeah. for Double A. So a, a lot of times, if you go to a Wednesday night game and you look around and there's a few thousand people in the stands, it still feels really empty. But there's still a few thousand people in the stands. But the one good thing about Utah is they do. Like, when you get into playoffs, you get a lot of, I'm not even going to say bandwagon fans. I'm going to say fans that haven't been able to come out for other games, and now they're going to make the effort to come to these games because they're playoffs. There's more at yeah. stake. They're, yeah. they're higher intensity. And uh, we really do have a good fan base here. We do have, I mean, we have enough now to have a podcast at least, and, and we're covering hockey now, and hockey grows. There's a good fan base. So when when the Eagles would win the championships, that was sold out when the grizzlies first came here and they won the championship that that building was sold out too yeah and so that's got to be a lot of fun to play in oh absolutely i mean, i remember my last year they did uh 
a five dollar seat night. So any any seat in the in the house was five bucks, and it was ten thousand two hundred, whatever it. Yeah. And playing on that on a Friday or Saturday night, like even if you're not a hockey fan, you don't know what what's going on out there. Like people come and maybe have a few drinks, and they get loud, and it it's fun to play in front of, you know, like as opposed to the Wednesday games that. Yeah. It like you said, we still have like four thousand, but our buildings just massive yeah what so, it holds what is it, is it i think it's 10,200 10, or something like that yeah so it's it's a i mean you even in the american league the buildings aren't that big like you look at the colorado eagles their their seats about 5,500 yeah you know if we had a building that size yeah it'd look packed it'd be hard night. to get yeah. a ticket right yep, yep yeah so i remember and uh man for like when i first started watching hockey with the golden eagles back in the day and then even when the Grizzlies came over and they'd do the $5 upper bowl or whatever, that was the only way I could afford to go to the game back then. Yeah. You know, as a, as a high school student or a college student. or Five first. bucks back in those days is a lot of money. Yeah, though. but it was right. still, a, it was a movie ticket. <laughs> right? It was the same as yeah. a movie ticket. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I remember uh, Tim Mauser, we're going to have him on the show. He was the GM and he's like, we just try to price the same as, as a movie. Yeah. You know, like some people can come to a $5 movie. Some people are going to come to the Friday night seven fifty movie. And they just, they tried to keep their prices similar to a movie. I never knew that like, they had a scale or an idea of where they came from. And then obviously if you want to sell the glass at 25 bucks or whatever, but yeah. it wasn't too, it wasn't too crazy, but, um, those nights were fun and those, getting those buildings packed is a lot of fun. Was that at the Salt Palace? It was, uh, no, Mauser was here at the, at, at the, the, at the Maverick Center. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's not really not a bad seat in the Maverick Center. No. Like it's, it's pretty up and down, so. Yeah, it's uh, I like watching hockey there, and, and you know, I've, as a, I'm a little weird as a goaltender, and I just like to sit in the same place, and it seems like everybody does. I like to sit behind the net, and you have to sit behind the yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, I know it's dumb, but I don't know why it is. But it's, I'd rather sit at like the blue lines. I don't. Yeah, but like second deck. Yeah, I don't like sitting near the glass. It's really yeah, you can't see very well. See it for me. Yeah, and if I sit too close to the glass where everybody's paying the big money, I can't see the whole play down there. Mm-hmm. And, I, can't, but I, and I, I like sitting behind the net because I can see things develop better. And maybe that's just because of how I'm used to watching the game. Yeah. Because uh, from the net, I don't know. I but but you're right. There's not a bad, not really a bad seat in that building. And the no. prices are decent. So Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So you, anything else you can remember? <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked about some stuff you're hesitant to talk about. But let's... Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. You were there for the one incident when uh, Aquino got punched out after warm-up, was it? Uh, it was I, – I, my recollection is pre – it was the pre – it was the morning skate. But it could have been – it could have been warm-up. No, I, I, th- I thought it was the warm-up because rookies were supposed to pick up pucks uh, after the warm-up. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Right? Because we didn't have – Back then, we didn't have, like, the helpers that always came out and picked up the pucks. Yeah. So the rookies would pick them up, and he refused to do it. And one of our older guys, yeah, Brad, Brad Heroff, yeah. Yeah, walked up and just cold-cocked him right in the dressing room. So yeah. That was a good way to start the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was an interesting year, uh, to say the least. But, yeah, I remember that. That, was, uh, that wasn't the only time Brad dropped the gloves he was, he was feisty. Yeah, yeah. He, with our own team and the and practice. Yeah, too. he'd fight any. He'd fight his grandma for <laughs> if he had to. You know, I mean. Yeah. But he was he was a good player. I mean. So, uh, not to pick on Ben again, but do you remember him threatening Ben 
that same I don't that same know. season? I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. I mean. But uh, so Ben Wilner, who was, I mean, he was like the stick boy. Stick boy, yeah. For 10 years or something. Yeah, yeah. And, but part of the perk for being the stick boy is they'd let him go out and and play. Like after you guys played or before you guys played, I don't remember yeah, what you it was. Get, you get you some get ice and you go out and yeah. you go out and play. And, uh, it was a little too close to actual team time for Brad's liking, so he threatened to beat up Ben because Ben came in and was filling up his Gatorade bottle or whatever to go out on the ice. And yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't know if I was there for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was honestly, I don't think there was anybody else in the locker room except for like, I think maybe I had just been waved again, so I was packing my stuff and I was in. So it would have been about like four thirty. Yeah. Before a game. Uh, I think it was like ten. It, like was I, after? Like I skated the morning skate. Oh, like, okay. So it was in the morning. Okay. It was just one of those things. So, well, yeah. 10 o'clock's when we go on. So uh, if Ben's on the ice, <laughs> the hair off had, had a good reason. Well, it's it's just funny because Brad's name comes up a lot. I And I was – he was a good leader yeah. in a lot of ways too. He was uh, – he crossed the line every once in a while, but he, he was a good leader too. He crossed the line a lot, but yeah. he was definitely well-respected throughout, yeah. throughout our – our locker room and throughout the league. Well, sure. and it ended up, I mean, he got pulled up to the AHL. He ended up playing there. Yeah, he played there for, what, almost three or four full se- full yeah. seasons? Yeah, I think like, so. He, he did really well. He's in Albany. Or, yeah, did he play for Smurf up there? Uh, where I was Smurf in Chicago? Chicago, yeah. No, I don't think he would have went to Chicago. But Okay, I couldn't remember. I could be wrong. But I, I could and I should look it up. My computer's right there, but it's all right. It's closed. But, um, yeah. So we had, well, because <laughs> I have most of your career memorized because, okay. you know, I I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So talking about Brad uh, and talking about a Smurf, or, uh, who was here, Jason Christie, who was a coach for a long time, and he's still coaching. Didn't he? He just set the record for most games coached or most wins. Or yeah, it's funny you bring up his name because um, so he's in Jacksonville now, and our new equipment guy, Matt Schwegman was in Jacksonville with Smurf the f- very first year of the existence. Oh, really? Of the Iceman, yeah. No. So I'll have to uh, – maybe I'll have to have him on and see if he's got any Smurf stories. No, we could tell a lot of Smurf stories. I have a lot. Jason it, – it's funny because the the first couple of years he was here, um, he, pretty abrasive as a, as a person. He – I mean, he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing and mm-hmm. stuff, but he was, he was abrasive to some of the – Sponsors, a little, r- little rough around the edges, yeah. Yeah, and uh, to and put then, it, to put it politely, right? It it was weird, yeah. To put it, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I know maybe he chased off a, a sponsor or two during a thing, and anyway, they, they were talking to him and trying to trying to get him to maybe not be so rough around the edges. And uh, anyway, he coached here for a few years, and then he went to the AHL as a coach, and then he came back and pulled me up as a e bug for In Ontario. Uh, yeah, for Ontario. And he was a completely different person at that time. Like, you know what? I, I've, I've seen that like coaches, you need to evolve. Like, no, he is from the old school where it's yell and scream and just rough and tumble. And that does not work in today's game. So you either adapt or you're a dinosaur and you're out of the game, you know? So now that you're coaching, and now, for those that don't know, you're the assistant coach for the Utah Grizzlies, and this is your second season? Second full season, yeah. Okay. Third year with them. But. Are you growing and adapting? Are you learning a lot as a coach as you go? <laughs> yeah, you learn something new every day. I mean, a lot on the business side of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because 
I mean, hockey is it's something you know and you, you should know, but you get, especially with this generation of kids, like you get questioned a lot more and you need to be on your toes and be you you need to have the right answer for them now and that's what they expect because with this with this era like if if you want an answer you go on your phone yeah and look it up like these kids want they demand it now you know so it's you need to be sharp so they question you on what like a like on a uh, on a tactic or on a drill sometimes tactics sometimes drills some it's they'll question like a lot of them will question it and you need to justify why we're doing it and like it's back when i played if you did that you'd just be skating or the coach would kick you off the ice or something. Like you just, well, how, like you can't skate the guys now. Oh yeah, you can, but, but it just doesn't, it's just, it doesn't get through to them like it did. Okay. You know, but yeah, it's, you just got to handle them a little differently nowadays. Man, wow, that's interesting. We're finding that in the fire service too. And their articles keep coming out all the time about, uh, the way to deal with the new generation mm-hmm. as far as, because you know, when I came on, we call the new guys boots. And yeah. when, when I was a boot, uh, I didn't get to ask questions or really wonder stuff. You didn't get stuff. to talk. No, I didn't get yeah. to talk. And I just did what I was told. Mm-hmm. And that included the, like, the most stupid. Th- I remember cleaning um, all the light switches in the station and all the light fixtures in the station with alcohol preps mm-hmm. because somebody told me to do it. I didn't, I didn't, didn't question, question that. It, yeah. No, I just went and did it. I got a ladder and I cleaned all the stuff. And now I think you do get, like, people aren't going to do that. It's, no. it's, but then it's weird to see my daughter going, going through school her whole first year. She couldn't look anybody in the eye. She couldn't initiate a conversation. She couldn't walk down the middle of a hallway. She had to walk down. Like they She's still go to a bit of a different school though. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And it's military. Yeah. And they, but they still get the initiation. Yeah. You know, the, the new guy, the rookie picking up the pucks. Where it's, uh, I, even when I went into the Western league, it was starting to change. You weren't allowed to do rookie parties anymore. Like, cause they used to have guys dress up in a dress or whatever and yeah. go to school for the day or I mean, I've heard stories like yeah. tying up guys naked across town and yep. having to run to a party and find your clothes and right. unravel them and that was just part of it right yep. and now like that stuff is you just, we like our guys had a rookie party last year and the guys dressed up but yeah I was going to say because I know that still goes on a little bit with the Grizzlies because I've driven the bus yeah well, I, I it's with social media, I'm sure people saw it on Twitter or whatever. It was yeah. just like they were just dressed up, but like typically you had a theme or right. like you were told what to wear. Yeah. And at our guys last year, I don't know what they did, but yeah, it's different for but sure. But I, I think they've taken out all the I, like they, they try to make it harmless. They still they're still a little bit to it, and you do it because you know the guys before you did it, and you're it's just paying your dues. Right? And yeah. yeah, you're just playing the tradition. Yeah. Um, so how are you guys looking this season? You've got, uh, last year, you guys, I think you had a lot of, uh, a lot of weight and a lot of expectation coming from the, absorbing Colorado, becoming the Avalanche Farm Club, and, and they'd gone back-to-back championships. Yeah. Um, how, what did you guys learn in the playoffs this year, and what are you doing this year to, like, what kind of players are you looking for to, to fill that void? You know, I, I think last year we had almost too much skill like we had we just didn't have enough just hard-nosed guys guys that get it done in the playoffs when it you know you, you look at nhl playoff series ahl there's usually a hero's not Connor mcdavid or Sidney crosby it's someone that's down in the third or fourth line right yeah, so, justin williams or yeah somebody that's just a grinder and that's 
their time of year to shine. And so I think we, in recruiting this year, we've we obviously we're going to have a lot of skill again, but we we've went out and tried to get a lot of character guys that yeah. are going to, you know, in those big one goal games that they're going to show up for us, you know. So like, uh, where do you go to find that? And back in the day, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is just what I've overheard. I've never built any CHL team. But I remember there kind of used to be like a pattern of you get four or five college guys, then you look for your skill guys out of the queue, and then you go get some Western League guys to throw bodies. Obviously, but you're from the Western League, and you were the skill guy. You were the points yeah. guy. But uh, and, and then the best analogy was that it takes a lot of talent to build a house. You need an electrician, a plumber, and yep, you know all kinds, a framer, right? right? Yep. You can't just like you said. Maybe you had too much skill last year. So where do you where do you look for this? Uh, well, Colorado plays a big hand in that in recruiting a lot of guys, and uh, it's just a lot, hockey's a small world. So word of mouth, you know, you, you agents, uh, coaches that you've played with yeah. you know guys you played with that have moved on to coaching okay well he's at this university now or so you can you have references you can call these guys and you know get get kind of a background on who you're looking at and you guys watch a ton of tape but yeah and we had a video system last year that you could plug in a guy's name and it would bring up all his goals all his shots for the year so you can see what kind of skill he has or you know how he skated how he moved the puck and stuff like that so that's cool yeah it's it's funny because a lot of people don't think about that part of it because you're a pro team you don't have to but a lot of times you do have to actually recruit you got to sell like if you've got a guy like Caleb Herbert let's say he's not signed with the Avalanche but you want him so does every other team in the league mm-hmm. so how do you sell a guy like what do, when you bring him into Utah what's what are your selling points i mean our facilities are you know, you've been in there. They're top notch. Uh, we don't bust a lot of places, which is nice. Yeah, uh, that's huge. I mean, <laughs> we were just talking about a lot of eighteen-hour bus trips back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So we we fly everywhere, and that, like those two are big, big selling points. And obviously, having Colorado with how involved they are, that's it's an easy sell to get a lot of guys to come here, and just because they care. And they show they care, and having their development guys here, having their goalie coach. There's always somebody in here throughout yeah. the course of this, course of the year. Whereas, like when I played f- with the Islanders, nobody was ever in. You never saw. Maybe at the start of the year, you saw one guy, and he'd come in and work with the two guys they had here. Yeah. Now it's like these guys come in and they create a culture. Then that it, everyone's under the you know the Avalanche umbrella. So. No, that's pretty it's, cool. That's it's good to have. That's so rare. Because yeah. uh, we're, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, and I've talked about it with Tim Branham, is that we're coming up on my 20th year with doing the emergency backup. If I get one game this year, that'll be 20 straight years that I've done at least one game for the Grizzlies. So I've been able to see uh, stuff from the AHL, which is cool, because when, when the team was with the AHL, there was, a, there was a year that we had two first-round goalies. Yeah. Uh, Jason Bakashwa and Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. And then they had a third goalie that was a high draft pick too, and I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden. Um, he ended up playing for the Predators. Ellis. Um, Matt Ellis? No. Not Matt. I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden. Anyway, so Ellis was – it's because we have so many Ellis's in the fire department. All I can think of yeah. are the fire ones. But uh, Ellis was playing here, and so 
all during the season, those guys are going up and back and forth to Dallas. Mm-hmm. It was Dallas at the time. And uh, they they sent us their goalie coach. And uh, it was it was crazy just because I would still go in there and e-bug because uh, Mike Smith blew uh, – was growing or something, and or he had a hernia. I can't remember. So Dan anyway, Ellis. Dan Ellis. There you go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so it, it was it was cool that the the entire time I was e bugging, there was a goalie coach here and there was a skills coach here. Yeah. And and then you know the Grizzlies go to the East Coast League, and I think later we're still with Dallas or whatever, and you never saw anybody. And then it was it was so the first year they're in the East Coast they're independent okay and then they were with the island islanders for like five years and then flames calgary and, yep, anaheim yep and now colorado yeah and in those years we rarely see a skills coach mm-hmm. or a and never a goalie coach no and our goalie coach is in last year is about once a month i think this year's gonna be more and it's just it's good for us for tim and i yeah because brett clark is there uh their development guy. He played 700 games in the NHL. So to have a, a guy like that come in for the week or whatever, to bounce ideas off of or get, to get input on what he thinks, it's it, it's a huge help. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's yeah. that's amazing. And how nice is it that there's somebody running the goalies? Because you don't know you don't want to run goalies. You don't know don't, you don't don't know how to help a goalie develop. No, I have no idea. I the one year and then there with with Phoenix actually was it Phoenix I don't remember but anyway um, whoever Grant Fuhr was goalie coaching for which I think was Phoenix would have been time. Phoenix yeah because Gretzky and all of them were there oh right right yeah. so they sent Grant Fuhr here to work with the goaltenders but the goalies had already moved on to the new the, the new style and they didn't really want to learn from the stand up yeah <laughs> they didn't want to learn from, so Grant would come and work with me and I'm like dude you're just wasting your time there's I'm not going to get any would better he, they'd work with you yeah he'd come yeah. out and work with me and I'm like this. It, when I the first hockey game I ever watched was Edmonton Oilers, you know, and Calgary Flames. I got to watch, you know, Vernon versus and yeah, was, and they never went down once. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and then you know that's uh, that's that's how I started, and now that I'm older, that's how I'm <laughs> I'm going to finish. Is the less <laughs> it's probably harder <laughs> to go down. Now, it's right? so hard, man. Yeah. It's, but anyway, it was it was man, what a cool thing, and not just for the goalies to have the opportunity to work with a guy like that. That's once won so many Stanley Cups for for a guy like me. The true, I'm just a huge hockey fan that gets an opportunity because I'm a firefighter and I have those days off, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, to go out and get coached by Grant Fuhrer was just phenomenal. How, yeah. lo- how long was that for? That was like a week. Just a week, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Still, like, he was yeah. here for a week and he worked like every day. fantasy camp for the week, right? Yeah, it's exactly what it was. Yeah. The goalie that was here at the time was a Cornell guy that's movement was phenomenal. Like phenomenal. He was a high pick and I can't mm-hmm. remember what happened to him, but he ended up not making the NHL and they thought for sure this kid was the... The next goaltender for yeah. that, which happens all the time, right, with a high draft. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so you you use those kind of things to sell Utah. Yeah. And uh, the mountains got to play a part. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You get a lot of guys come here, and they're asking, like, oh, where do we go hike? Or, where you know, what's a cool spot? And, like, you can tell them, like, go hike up Mill Creek, go hike up Cottonwoods, yeah. uh, go to Park City for the day. Like, there's just so much that – salt lake and utah has to offer especially if you're an outdoorsy type person which i am i that's why i never really left like i, I love it here i mean obviously i met my fiance here but right uh it's just it's to wake up every morning and look at the mountains it's yeah. it's not a bad way to start the day that's pretty amazing and it's it's 
is it hard? Because I know that uh, under a pro contract, you're not supposed to go skiing or snowboarding during the season. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. And do you know if guys still go out and uh, ski or snowboard during the season? I don't know if any of our guys did last year. Yeah. But I remember when I played, some guys went out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. If if you get hurt, your contract's void, basically. So. Yeah, I, I remember a lot of guys wanting to go up and because it's it's that's the that's the weird part about being in there as just the local guys because guys will be over and be like, hey, uh, where's the best place to go skiing? Or well, I never skied like until my last year in Europe. I knew it was my last year, and I, I went to a team in France, and we were in like a little Park City type place, and they gave us free skis and a free ski pass. So, and I was yeah. a fi- I was a five minute walk to the lift from my apartment. That's awesome. So I was like, "Well, I'm going to learn. It's my last year, and now like I s- try and ski as much as I can. Like I love it now. It's, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right. So uh, when does uh, w- when does your training camp start? Uh, I believe we will have physicals September 29th, and then it'll start on the 30th. And You've re-signed some guys. Mm-hmm. Who do you guys, who do you have coming back? Well, uh, Taylor Richart. He's been here for this will be about his third or fourth year now. Yeah, good defenseman, good leader too in good, the locker room. Yeah. yeah, a lot of guys look up to him. Yep. He's he's a true pro. I yeah. mean, he takes care of himself, and he's a he's a good guy to to get back for sure. Uh, Tegan's on. Yep, I mean, captain last year, fan favorite, fan favorite, tough. Uh, it was tough because he started here and then he went to Colorado. Yeah. And then it was... And like, won a couple championships Yeah, won a couple championships. But, I mean, it was tough because everybody here loved him. Yeah. So it's great to get him back. And that's just that's just the nature of the business, right? Yeah. I mean, um, so to have him back is going to be huge. Um, and we got guys like uh, Tanner Nagel. He was a young kid out of junior last year. He's going to come back. Uh, Mitch Maxwell. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys. He's <laughs> he's a uh, good old Alberta boy. So yeah. it's nice to have have a couple Alberta boys. So. And then yeah, we're gonna have a lot of new faces this year. Um, so it's gonna be. Uh, How many guys are you expecting from the Avalanche? Uh, for, from the Eagles, yeah. Probably upwards of ten, maybe eight to ten guys. Y- you never know. I mean. You know, hockey, things can change real quick where guys could have injuries, but we should have quite a few guys filter down from the Eagles. So, Yeah, and that's, I mean, that, that's a strong program, and the Avalanche have made a lot of strides. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, all three teams are, uh, I think, poised to have a pretty good year this year. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it shows, it. it's crazy to me that not every NHL team puts the same effort into their entire organization it's it's weird to see because it's like like i said it's just it, you're gonna i don't know if, who's calling the shots now or who's making it this way but you seem to have this um this this culture now of just everybody cares about everybody and everybody's going to succeed and this is going to be a winning organization from top to bottom yeah and it seems like that's how every organization should be you know what i i think some of the teams have kind of taken the MLB model under under their wing a little bit, and you know MLB 
you have prospects littered through rookie ball, A, double A, triple A. So they, I think that's what's kind of put the importance on the our, our level, the ECHL level, is it's becoming it's a really good developmental league now. So it's it pays to have these guys come down here and play twenty twenty five minutes a night as opposed to sitting in the stands for two weeks. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So I mean, teams are just teams are slowly catching on, and I mean, we're fortunate to have one of those teams that really puts a lot of stock into the utah grizzlies so yeah and it's it's awesome and you know it comes with a little bit of a cost because uh and the fans either either they know this or they should know that there were times that you guys took a loss because you lost a few guys up to the main you know to the to the eagles and that's part of the 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 it's just part of life of being a, a farm club is that, you know, if you've got a guy out there that's scoring a goal a game or a point a game, that he's going to get a shot at the A, yeah. and that's going to cost you a point a game <clears throat> unless somebody else in your club steps up. Yeah, and we don't really have anywhere for us to pull from. I mean, you have the Southern Professional League. Right. You really don't know what you're going to get from there. So You're not going to pull a, a point a game guy no. out of the SP to come to the East Coast League and score a point a game. You'll be lucky to get a guy to come up and just work hard for for sixty minutes and keep up. Yeah. You know. So and that's that's it, professional sports. That's the nature of the beast for us is I mean we had a pretty bad stretcher down the stretch, but we had injuries after injury and yeah. uh guys called up, but we still we managed to get by. I mean it was uh, you know, make the playoffs. Say we we wanted to win the division, but you know that's what we're shooting for this year. So. Perfect. Well, we're excited for this season. I really am. I, I think it's, I think it's great. I know the work that you and Tim have put in during the off season. I've got to be around a little bit of it, and I know I it's it's fun to just you know I, I read stuff every day about what's going on with the Avalanche, what's going on with the Eagles, and and obviously, man, it's uh, I'm excited for it. I hope all the fans are excited for it. Uh, first game. First game will be what October? Let's see. Going to the phone. Eleventh, October eleventh. <laughs> we got such a. I know. I it's, know. It's it's coming up, but I mean we're we're gonna be busy. We're going off to Anaheim for the NHL rookie tournament this weekend, and then. Oh, I used to love that. Yeah, so it's nice, and that's another thing. Colorado involves us in that, and yeah. you know, they invite us to that, and it's. Do you get to help coach that at all? No, we're just kind of s- spectators there. But like last year, we went and just you know hanging out in the hall with Joe Sackick, you know, yeah. talking to him for five minutes. It's it's cool to to get that experience, and you know, for them to invite us and bring us there is good. And then uh, we'll be off to Loveland, and I think. Uh, Probably the twenty second of September, so things are starting to ramp up again here. No, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. All right, well, uh, uh, obviously tickets are available for the Utah Grizzlies. We got a huge building, so you can always jump on and buy tickets. Just look utahgrizzlies.com. Yeah, you guys have awesome Facebook presence now. You're doing more and more, and uh, they're post. You guys are posting. I don't know if you if you see this, but you're po- when you sign a new player or a, yeah, a couple guys, kinda, I'm not a big social media guy. I know, but, yeah. I know, but. Uh, you know your social media people are, are posting, so you, we get to see like when you sign you sign some kids out of college, and we got to yep. see that right away, and they put a link so we can learn about them and mm-hmm. and get to know yeah, who's coming in. They're definitely doing a better job at yeah, it's it's cool keeping everyone up to date, and hopefully this year we can pack the house, 
consistently. Yeah. That would be would be nothing better than that. Well, I, I can't think of a better thing to do than go watch hockey. In the winter, right? Like yeah, what else? Exactly. You, you can't what ski else? at night. <laughs> night skiing is no fun anyway. Oh, like come down to the Sounds dangerous. Come down to the Maverick Center and yeah. enjoy a game. Yeah. Perfect. Great building, great uh, great team, great environment, fun yeah. to watch hockey, best game in the world. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Well, this is just the first of many times we're going to have you and Tim in and, uh, and catch up with the Utah Grizzlies. And if you want to hear more about uh, hockey in Utah, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You can do that by texting the word PUCK to 57500 or go to kslsports.com. We have articles now about hockey on kslsports.com, and we also have a podcast link right there. And you just click on that, find the Utah Puck Report, and subscribe. Ryan, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's the Utah Puck Report.